Hello and welcome to Movement, the weekly podcast for South Aussie Baptists to listen and imagine together. Each fortnight, we interview a leader from within our movement and then ask them to share one of their recent sermons with us the following week. Welcome back to Movement. Uh, Today we've got another new guest who also happens to be another new member of our ministry team. Mark Sanders has been the senior pastor at Hills Baptist Church for almost 10 years. He's just recently finished up and joined the team at Baptist Churches as our church development facilitator. Mark is married to Mel, they have three kids and he's a bit of a golf tragic as well as a crow's tragic. So he says that uh, he's learning some patience from that. So welcome, Mark. Great to have you. Thank you, Melinda. It's good to be talking with you. And there seems to be a lot of tragedy there, my golf game and the crows. But, uh, you know, it's a it's a hopeful hobbies that I have, uh, hopeful for the future in both Expectant, accounts. Expectant, looking forward, <laughs> love to hear it. And hopefully not too much tragedy in the ministry side of life. <laughs> I hope not. So, but I'm just starting out, so I, there hasn't been much yet. <laughs> so, Mark, I'd love to start out by asking you one of the questions we ask everyone, which is, can you tell us a bit about the passions and the experiences that have shaped you mm. and that have brought you to where you find yourself today? Yeah, sure. Uh, such a big question. I, I guess if I if I track right back to the very start, it's perhaps helpful to know people's origins. Yeah. So I'm a country boy originally, born and bred in Clare in the mid-north. And so I grew up as part of uh, my family going to Clare Uniting Church every mm-hmm. Sunday. And uh, that was that was kind of like uh, a, a lot for our family. And so, so our family wasn't perhaps super... In, in some senses, not super alive spiritually, but right. super committed to going to church. Right. Okay. <laughs> um, and, um, and, and in fact, for my parents, I think their faith grew uh, mm-hmm. in my teenage, young adult years uh, through some experiences there. But um, grew up going to church. That was part of my life. Um, grew up in a small town, playing sport, mm-hmm. just enjoying being part of uh, a community and, and all that involved. So I think the significant marker for me, it's really interesting People often ask, how was I called into ministry? Right, yeah. And I, I'm kind of like, I was a normal kid, but, <laughs> but when I was like about 12 years old, I distinctly remember from that age having this, not even sense of future call, yeah, but, but this a, a call. absolute sense uh-huh. or conviction that I was called to be a pastor. Wow. And I remember in the Clare Uniting Church, which was a a hundred-year-old church, which at the time had pews up the front for the choir and and, (laughs) and a big high pulpit. I remember after church, when everyone had gone out to the hall, sneaking back into church, (laughs) climbing up into the pulpit and standing there going, I guess this is the sort of, this is what I'm going to have to do. Wow. I don't know whether I was drawn to the high pulpit, and I and very disappointingly they then removed that, and uh, you know yeah. we don't get much of a high pulpit anymore. But there was something that God was doing in me yeah. before I would say I was even really a, a committed follower of Jesus. Wow. Yeah, in my childhood that never left me. Yeah, and and then I really became a Christian on a AFES uni camp. And okay, so the, quite a few years later. Very first orientation camp. Um, I mean, I'd always had faith, I'd yeah. always believed, but that's really when yeah, it became for me a living uh, a living faith. And uh, in fact, Frank Arlen, who, who perhaps some listening will know, was uh, the speaker on mm-hmm. uh, at that uh, camp. And so that became, I guess, a real turning point where my faith became real. And eventually that sense of calling to ministry, which had never left me, yeah. and my growing faith, which, which, which through the uni years developed deeper foundations, eventually led me into pastoral ministry. Yeah, so those two things come together. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So so I started out at Marion Church of Christ, did five years 
uh, four years there as a youth and young adult pastor. I had, I feel like I had little idea when I started or no idea. I, I literally went and bought a book, which was your first two years in youth ministry. Here's what to do. <laughs> and yeah. I literally followed it. It was. It could be really helpful. Anyone well, it was, keeping it simple. Yeah. And sometimes when you don't know what you don't know, mm. loved, jumped into ministry and immediately loved the opportunity of working with people mm-hmm. and being part of people's lives and being part of people's faith journey mm-hmm. and um, love the opportunity to open up the Word of God and preach mm. and just journey with young people to start with in faith. Mm-hmm. And so that was with youth and, and young adults. And so fast forward, keeping, I guess, the, a long journey uh, in, a, in a short story. Yeah. 18 years later, uh, I've done 18 years, 19 years of pastoral ministry, the last 10 at Hills mm-hmm. Baptist. Yeah. And, of course, 10 years ago, I went up to Allgate, uh, which, uh, you know, church in, in uh, the small kind of hills township of, of Allgate and uh, started there as a pastor. And over 10 years, if people don't know the story, the yes. church has seen a great deal of yeah, growth and change yeah. and expanding team. And that has taught me a great deal. But, you know, that comes down to what am I passionate about yeah. through that whole journey you know well I'm, I'm absolutely passionate about a faith that is real and people coming to know a faith that mm-hmm. is real I'm passionate about the local church right yeah because the local church is much maligned in today's culture okay yeah. and I think it's it's clearly moved you know that whole movement from the center to the margins that we've seen in our society and that's that's definitely happened mm-hmm. but most of our culture now says the church is um, irrelevant irrelevant yeah. irrelevant absolutely mm-hmm. and yet i just think there's there's no other organization movement that is seeking to share the good news mm. of jesus with our world there's a lot of organizations that do good work and practical yeah. work but the church is entrusted with this gospel and and and, and that gospel that changes people's lives is communicated primarily through the local church mm-hmm. Churches which are often in many ways imperfect, (laughs) have their flaws, have their limitations, yet somehow God continues by his grace and Mm -hmm. spirit to work through the church. So I'm passionate about the church, passionate about journeying with people. And I think I'm I'm kind of always a a future-oriented person. So I'm someone who is always thinking about possibilities and that's kind of something of what leads me into this new role yeah so after having been in local church and like saying really passionate about the local church what what then leads you to want to in a sense step sideways from local church and yet i guess your role is really focused on local churches maybe i'll answer my own question there but what are you seeing as the passions that kind of bring you to this particular role yeah 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 and a lot of people ask me when i finished at hills i love the church i love the people things were going really well why you know (laughs) why why i leave why leave and uh (laughs) Yeah, there's a number of reasons around that, but I think the greatest thing for me was over a couple of years, God had been stirring in my heart a desire to have a broader um, perspective mm-hmm. than just to focus on my church yeah. that I was leading. And I'd sought to get involved in the Baptist movement mm-hmm. in a slightly broader way and I joined like the moderating committee helping churches find pastors. Mm-hmm. But I tended to find because my role was very full, mm-hmm. I just 
couldn't sustain it. Yeah. And yet this, I think God just plants seeds mm-hmm. in our hearts and we've got to be alert to them. And so that seed that was planted was about an interest in having a broader role, uh, influence within the wider church. And I just couldn't do that within my role. So mm-hmm. that was sitting there. Yeah. And, and then the door, sort of the opportunity came for knowing that there was a position available that that probably I'd I'd looked at for a couple of years and thought, well, oh, if there's something around church development became available, <laughs> yeah. that would really interest me. And when it did, I felt like, well, I've been yeah. saying that for a while. I've been wanting to have a broader role. I've been struggling to do that. Yeah. This just yeah, seems like God's timing. Yeah. yeah, that's great. And I love that uh, we say about like that passion for local church, because I don't know, maybe um, some people don't, you know, really think about or understand how Baptist churches work, but some people might imagine, oh, okay, you work at the, the head office sometimes people say and think, oh, so you're not about local church, you're now about yeah. something bigger. But actually that's what we're all about, isn't it? That, that our role is actually, in a sense, sits underneath is to serve the local mm-hmm. church and to help local churches be the best they can be because that's where it's at. Like I was saying, I think hopefully all of our team, we're passionate about local church because that's that's the end point. That's... Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, really? I, I've only been in the role for a week. I thought I was in charge, and we were, oh, we were you're running. running the place. <laughs> no. Well, look, you have to tell no. me how that works. <laughs> no, no, you're absolutely right. We we exist to to serve churches, and I love that. I actually mm-hmm. love that our our role in that is really clear. That in my new role of ministry, the the challenge and blessing is that I've actually got basically no power yeah. um, and no authority, yeah. <laughs> but I've got a role of influence mm. and a role that enables me to have the space and time to work with churches, supporting them and helping them. That's that's exciting. Yeah, no, that's great. So you talked about some of the passions. Are there any particular experiences, whether from you know your own faith journey or from being in pastoral ministry, that you think have really shaped you and really sit with you that you bring to where you are now? Yeah, I, I mean... I don't think there's any, there's no absolute standout moments right. for me. It, for me, it's just, I've always wanted to be a lifelong learner. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really important for anyone in uh, any area of life. It's what I try to sow into my kids' values is to just always be learning, always be observing, always be taking things in, always be seeking to be better at whatever you do in life. So there's probably stacks of key <laughs> things along the way. I mean, some of my experiences without going into the details is I've seen churches go through conflict or through right. grief over leaders who have fallen in ministry and, and uh, ended up out of ministry because of you know poor choices and situations. I think that has influenced me in mm-hmm. some ways about trying to do ministry in a healthy way yeah, and, sure. and about trying to do things with balance, which I haven't always done ministry with balance well, as many in ministry don't do because we get super involved and committed. and Yeah, all consumed by what we're yeah, passionate yeah. about. Yeah, that's one of the things. Yeah, I, look, I've seen, I've seen churches that are really big, that are small, that are rural, that are mm-hmm. city-based, that are highly structured, that are more organic, and I've, I've sort of been part of some of those. I've done a lot of reading around the church and things like that and so out of all of these kind of I guess different things that I've seen and experienced and read I, I guess I, I'm a great believer that the church can be really effective mm-hmm. in a whole range of different contexts and situations it's not a one-size-fits-all and that's certainly what I bring to the role is not hey every church should actually end up looking like my old yeah. church hills mm-hmm. or like some big mega church in America but mm-hmm. 
uh, I think a church, whether it's big or small, country, urban, suburban, you know, the Holy Spirit's at work within it. I think every church can be healthy and growing and fruitful. And I guess that's the goal in its context. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's great. And I imagine some of the people listening are in different kinds of churches, you know, so some people might be in churches like, oh, my church is just, you know, flourishing and doing really mm. well. And others are like, oh, where do we where do we go from here or, you know, what's next? But like you're saying, all, all of us, are, we've got the same kind of calling. We've got the gospel. We've got the opportunity. So how would you speak to someone who's kind of saying, oh, like, you know, my church is not the greatest or it's struggling? Got any, any thoughts of how you get alongside someone, encourage them in that situation? I think that... One of the greatest things we can do in a, in a church, particularly if it's struggling, firstly is pray. Yeah. Like I, I think that very often we try to um, strategize our way to success, and <laughs> right. I'm, I'm a big on strategy. I love it, but prayer actually needs to proceed. I don't yeah. know how many times a church might be struggling in one area or have a, a difficult situation, but don't actually meaningfully pray right. about it. Yeah. And but ultimately, if the church is going to grow and flourish, it's because God will God's move yeah. and God will work by mm-hmm. his spirit. So prayer is a huge part of that. But I think uh, if a church is struggling, it, the worst thing it can do is perhaps look at some enormous yeah. mega church and go, why aren't we like that? Yeah. Or we should be like that. Or that's what we, we're meant to be. And that's, that's what success looks like. But the other flaw is for a church it's so easy for churches to get stuck just doing the daily grind of a Sunday or just doing the ministries that they've always done and Mm so I think in every church needs to be continually asking itself what are we what are we doing what could we do what are the opportunities that are out there what are the possibilities just exploring those kind of things on a regular basis and then sometimes it's as simple as thinking, what's one thing we could do? Right. Uh, I remember when our church got really uh, started to grow mm-hmm. and was getting bigger and it, we just kept adding things. We kept <laughs> adding ministry after ministry after ministry. And I went away uh, with our team, which was really small at the time, and we did a little thing. And we, we did like one of those planning days. Right, like planning day, strategy day, yeah. And we came away with like the first thing we wanted to do was do less. Right. <laughs> Do less. Yeah. And the second thing was do what we do well. Because mm. what we were doing, we'd, we just added all this stuff and we were doing so much stuff badly. Mm. Yeah. So l- why don't we just do less and try to do what we do well? Mm. And why don't we try and use what we do for mission mm. and then try and promote and share what we're doing? Yeah. And so, you know, I think that's another trap is churches think, well, this church is doing X, Y, Z, ABC. They try to like, think, oh, we've got to do all this stuff. Yeah. Why don't we just think about something yeah who are we placed to it you know it makes me think of paul in the new testament says i can be you know all things you know or you know like to the jews i can be a jew but but i sometimes wonder if we think that means i have to be all things all at the same time (laughs) and i don't think that's what paul's saying like you know what is it where are you placed like when paul's with the jews he is like a jew when he's Mm. with the gentiles he's like a gentile he's not trying to be all things at Mm. the same time Mm. is that kind of what you yeah yeah i mean and paul himself is traveling from place to place and planting um, churches everywhere but the place where he plants a church you know he plants a church in uh, Corinth and their their mission is to be the church in Corinth like yeah. they don't then they're not all missionaries traveling <laughs> right. everywhere they're just yeah, called to be faithful with the gospel in that place mm-hmm. and of course they did that in uh, you know <laughs> that's a whole other story yeah, about how, they, how the, the, the church in Corinth went about that <laughs> 
Yeah. But that takes us back to your point too, that all, all churches are flawed. And, you know, like mm. you, you mentioned before, you know, being in, in churches where things don't go so well or, yeah. you know, when someone that you look up to, you know, ends up um, leaving ministry and you realise the church is made of human beings mm. who aren't, aren't mm. perfect, you know, and how do we continue to hold to our calling and mission and be the people who live out the gospel, mm. um, even when we're imperfect and, mm. yeah, it's difficult. Mm. Yeah, and we're called, like, you know, love, love and grace mm-hmm. and forgiveness mm-hmm. are so central. Jesus, Jesus says, by this will all men, women, will all people know that you are my disciples by your love for one another. Mm-hmm. And the church needs to continually seek to embody that in the midst of the challenges and the difficulties of being uh, God's people. Mm. That's great. So maybe coming out of, you know, you're in this season of transition, mm. you know, being in pastoral ministry for 18, 19 years and then heading into this role. What are you seeing and hearing? What are you learning? What's uh, kind of challenging your thinking at the moment? Yeah, that's such an interesting question. I mean, one of the things that the church is needing to wrestle with is its place in Australian culture. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's been spoken about more and more. And I think a lot of churches and Christians in Australia are maybe only just starting to realise the change that actually began happening a couple of decades ago where the church's place has shifted. Mm -hmm. A lot of Christians, I I believe now, feel maybe threatens not too strong a word, but they feel that the the world is a little more hostile to the gospel. Sometimes Mm -hmm. we actually feel that more than is actually the reality because we hear perhaps a few outspoken voices who are very anti the church. And so there is a there's a push in our world for faith to be privatized. Mm-hmm. So people say, you can have your faith, yeah. but just don't... Keep it over there. <laughs> just keep it over there. Keep it private. Do your thing on a Sunday. You know, Don't talk about it too much. And, mm-hmm. and so some people are pushing for that. Mm-hmm. Like, there's loud voices pushing for that. There's actually a remarkable percentage of the population in Australia still who are quite happy for people to have their faith and quite you know, open to it at some level. Yeah. And I think we lose really lose sight of that. So the church is needing to wrestle with that question Mm -hmm. in a huge way. And so in that context, one of the things that I'm seeing as I start to connect with a few churches and a few who are perhaps particularly at a bit of a crossroads in Mm -hmm. terms of viability or or wondering where do we go from here is firstly, within each church, there are faithful people who love the Lord and love their church and love their community and just have that desire. And really that's probably the best thing you can, like if that's lacking, the church yeah. is in real trouble. But while mm-hmm. that's there and while there's faith to believe that God can do something, mm-hmm. there is there is hope. Yeah. So I, I'm, I guess I'm learning that uh, across our movement, we've got churches in all sorts of different places. Mm-hmm. One of the questions I'm, I'm asking myself is how can some of our stronger uh, larger churches be a, be a, a blessing mm. and a help to some uh, of our smaller struggling churches and how can we as a movement perhaps have our eyes wider than just our context which is interesting for me because I've just come out of being a really embedded a, a, in the context being a, yeah. a pastor where I've been really embedded in a context and as a as a, as a pastor or even a, a lay church leader you are very taken up by your mm. own local church and our our churches do tend to be very kind of in their own yeah in their own bubble a little bit how do we kind of burst that that we might (laughs) somehow help our movement across the board yeah i love that because i think you're right i think it's a great strength but also a great challenge of our movement so we want our churches to be fully invested in their local community and their local mission and their context and yet we also say we're part of something bigger i mean it's Mm. one of the reasons Mm. we 
called this podcast movement. You know, mm. how do we how do we as individuals and as churches who are kind of embedded in our local Kent context also lift our heads up and say we're part of something bigger and, mm. and what what would it look like to get involved in that? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and some of the great stories of our of our history as a movement mm. is where churches have done that yep. and have, have planted new congregations or have revitalised mm. in some way. And, and so, I mean, Hills Baptist Church, which was Allgate Baptist before it um, yep. you know, started a new congregation at Verdun, Allgate Baptist was planted 50 years ago out of a few people out of Unley Park Baptist Church. Okay, I didn't know that. And so that starts as, I think, 20 people in a living room saying, you know, we think God might be calling us to do something in in Allgate and yeah. now you look at what Allgate's become over 50 years and the way that people have come to know yeah, Jesus right. and grown in faith in that community now there's a community at Verdun and, and soon to be one at Lobethal and I think that's an exciting thing mm-hmm. that I'd love to encourage our stronger larger churches to think about well how can you actually you know, there's, a, there's an opportunity to mm-hmm. sow something that that yields fruit for a long time mm-hmm. many seasons to come in other places yeah yeah, no, that's great. And I love that you mentioned history because I think it helps us to take a bit of a longer term view. Isn't it like a wonder sometimes if we're talking about, oh, so you're invested in your local church and how can you be connecting with other churches? And you think, oh, it's, you know, it's so much to do. But we're talking about long term here, aren't mm-hmm. we? We're talking that these things take like investment and time and a, a, a vision that is not just we've got to get it all done today. Mm. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And any kind of partnership or you know, journey of sign- any new initiative of significance. That is one of the challenges, I think, is that mm. as I speak with a few churches, is there's immediate need. Yes, um, of but, course. But yeah. effective um, new initiatives or things take time. Mm. And so, yeah, that's part of the journey. That's the excitement of my new role is to kind of go on that journey with churches and see how I might be able to help them. Yeah, excellent. That leads pretty well into my next question I wanted to ask you about, which is what are you seeing as the maybe the challenges but also opportunities of, of where we find ourselves, like, in, you know, the time and the place and the season that mm. we're in? Mm. Yeah, and I, I guess there's the COVID conversation. You can't talk about the time and place <laughs> we're in without mentioning COVID, can you? Yeah, COVID has definitely challenged, I think, mm. a, a lot of churches in, in different ways. It's it's a, a challenge. It's also potentially blessing i think that's the immediate thing that i see right right now um is how churches respond to that so i'm going to have to pick you up and ask you what do you mean when you say a blessing because you know Im- Im- immediately people might go covid has been a blessing yeah yeah i mean in many ways it hasn't been a blessing it's obviously been a terrible pandemic so i'm not <laughs> no no but <laughs> look the, the the perhaps the the blessing of covid is is it gets gives an opportunity to reassess mm. what's most important mm-hmm and I think when we came out of the first lockdown, there was this kind of space to go, well, do we have to keep doing everything that we right. were doing? Yeah. What, what's actually most important? Mm-hmm. Because we found, probably many churches in the same boat found, that you could actually strip away a whole lot of stuff mm. and still it sort of brought you back to what's most important. Yeah. So coming out of it, it would be a danger if we lose all of that and just try to reinstate every single thing that we were That's doing right. in exactly the same way. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, that's that's really helpful. Do you know, it makes me think of right at the early days of COVID, I did a wedding when you could only have five people at a wedding, you know, and that was really sad and really difficult for the couple. And yet there was some blessing in it because it really made this focus sharp on what, why are we doing this? What's it about? Mm. And it was actually one of the most beautiful weddings I've been involved in because mm. they really had to name 
this is you know this is what's important to us it's about in the presence of god you know committing ourselves to one another like you know it's you strip everything else away this is what a wedding is and i'm not suggesting that you know forevermore we should never have big parties and celebrations and all the traditions that go with weddings yeah but i think that's maybe the same what you're saying with church we we had the opportunity to say which things have been stripped away and some of them we might be like we want to get that back and others we might go do you know what really forced us to think about what's most important yeah that's exactly right that's almost a perfect analogy for for what i'm saying and so yeah so we're i mean churches in south australia are now well and truly past um we hope that that lockdown (laughs) stage well we might go back into it but you know we've been able to re-establish yeah and that uh, there's been new challenges, I guess, as some churches find that people are attending a little less regularly mm. or, or numbers have dropped. Churches have also, I think, discovered the commitment and faithfulness of their people through this season. Mm. Um, a yep. lot of churches have found that offerings are being strengthened, mm-hmm. that people are, even though they're not physically able to even go into the building, yeah, it shows that their commitment to yeah. the movement. There's a huge question around online church at the moment. Yeah, I think that's a whole thing to explore. Again, online church is a great opportunity. It connects people, but also gathering together in in a place as a community is so central to our understanding of church as well. Mm -hmm. And so that's an area that the church needs to keep exploring. Mm. So I think we've talked about the impact of COVID probably a few times on this podcast and it's obviously we're trying to you know read the moment we're in in COVID because we know it's not over but probably one of the things I reckon is starting to wrestle with churches for churches is some of the you know the restrictions and how we respond to what the government is saying we can and can't do and you know what it means to be the church and also to be good citizens and Mm. um, you know public health Mm. orders and all that kind of stuff any thoughts on how churches and people in churches can be thinking about and wrestling with those kind of questions yeah I think that's a, a huge growing question particularly with this discussion potential around vaccine passports if we name that that seems to be the biggest impending or potential challenge because as baptist churches it's our heart to comply with and to follow those scriptures that that speak about honoring our, our, our leadership our government and being you know compliant and good citizens and yeah. doing those kind of things but there's also this question about there's also a point i guess where you maybe take a stand now mm. around the current restrictions we are still able to meet we're still yeah. able to worship we're still able to sing <laughs> we're still able to pray yeah. and so i think perhaps some have felt oh gosh we're being restricted here and and it's at one end of a spectrum there are some who you know almost want to rebel in the current situation my view is as best we can while we're while we have the freedom to to do the things that are important to us we should really seek to follow our government's guidance which is uh, in my view for our best benefit anyway down the track they're they're really tricky questions at the is there a point where we would say you know actually we we took a, take a stand against a government law, I yeah. guess. If, if it ever came to that or how you wrestle with that, I think it's really important that we do that firstly calmly, <laughs> not in a heightened emotional yeah. way, and that we do it that discussion respectfully and graciously and mm. willing to listen to others around, willing to prayerfully consider this willing to it's that whole discernment process Mm -hmm. and uh just yesterday melinda you put on my send me an email with (laughs) how do we as baptists discern the will of god and a really helpful document it's on the website i'll just give me a plug for the website i might even put a link in the episode (laughs) notes to it Uh, you should it's fantastic (laughs) 
How do we discern something? Well, we do it biblically. We do mm. it prayerfully. We consider what it means to be a Baptist in that, yeah. uh, a number of other elements. And so it's not about rushing to something. Look, to be honest, I, I'm always in making big decisions as a pastoral leader over 10 years. I'm always yeah. like, there'll be a voice that says, like wants to jump straight away into saying yes, and there'll be yeah. others who want to jump straight away into being like a really harsh, like absolute no. And mm. I think it's try not to be swayed too much by the extremes at either end, but try mm. to sit with the questions, you know, thoughtfully, prayerfully, use wisdom, use scripture, use prayer, and do that in community. And that's kind of my understanding of the, the Baptist way of doing things. Yeah, I mm. think you're right. I think it's great. And it is that that it takes time and it takes conversation and it takes gentleness and graciousness and all the things the New mm. Testament talks about, doesn't it? It's, it's almost, I feel sometimes it's easier to make a really quick judgment and a big statement and go either, yes, we're doing this or no, we're never doing that. It's actually harder to have the more nuanced, reflective theological mm. conversations, but that's who we are as people of God. We're people who seek to listen to the spirit and listen to one another and all those things. Yeah. Yeah. And, and for me, that's one of the things I love about being part of a Baptist church is there's certain areas of theology, of practice, where we say, hey, we, we don't just nail everything down and we don't give every single detail of you must believe this, do this, mm. exactly that. Within our congregations, we've got people coming out of charismatic backgrounds, conservative backgrounds, uh, different heritages, traditional, contemporary, hmm. and we bring them together and we don't say the right way exactly. <laughs> you know, on yeah. the core things, on the core things around, you know, of our faith and who Christ is and who God is, yeah, absolutely we find a core that we, we need to believe in. But there's a, a capacity to wrestle with this and, and this is one of those issues. And so the thing that would upset me is where someone is so passionate about their issue that they lack love and grace mm. towards others who think differently mm. and that's the that's what we need to be so careful about at this time because for some churches for some communities this issue has the potential to be extremely divisive yeah really so and it would be a tragedy if we allowed an issue to divide us to the evil one to, to bring that to cause a division that separates people in the church that's so good. Yeah, totally. I think um, about Baptist values around, you know, we want to hold, uh, it's often been named through history as like freedom of conscience, but it doesn't mean we all just go our own way. It's like we are trying to be in relationship and love mm. one another and, and be on mission together, even mm. when we see things differently or even when we're wrestling with how we how we respond and how we disagree. And the word that always comes to mind for me is is our posture, but I think you named it as, so it's like, like how we go about is, is almost as important as where we land on issues yep. that if we it doesn't matter if we land on the right decision if we've actually been unloving and ungracious and unkind and you know mm. unforgiving then we haven't been like Jesus mm. then we might be right you know on paper yeah. but we've not been who we're called to be yeah, a lot of the time the Pharisees were right on paper. You are right, weren't they? Yeah. <laughs> Jesus wasn't so keen on no. their posture. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's such a good example, isn't it? Yeah. And I think to go back just quickly to like the, the conversation around the government, to even even with that, I think we have the opportunity in our country to be in relationship with the government. Like, what does it, you know, what does it look mm. like? You're saying we, we want to respect uh, what the government's saying, but also we have the opportunity to speak and to ask questions and maybe even to push mm. back. Mm. We're not in that position of, like, drawing a line in the sand and going, you know, mm. we're on the other side and we need to fight against you. 
as you mentioned, maybe we'll get to that point. And certainly there are countries around the world where we have brothers mm. and sisters who find themselves, you know, yep. think of Myanmar at the moment, you know, people mm. who are, are really facing the point of mm. I have to stand for this even at the cost of my life. But mm. generally speaking, we have such a privileged position to be able to dialogue and, yep. and wrestle it through even as a wider community as yep. well as in the church. So, Mark, maybe I can ask you, what, what are you thinking that churches and people in our churches really need to be wrestling with and thinking about at the moment? Yeah, well, in context of what I shared earlier about the church's place in Australian society coming out of COVID mm-hmm. and, and kind of a, a new season, I think churches just need to keep asking questions and looking around and seeking opportunity and thinking creatively. It's very easy as a church to get stuck in doing what we've always done mm-hmm. and to do what we did last week and what we did last year and to avoid questions about change and about is this what we do still relevant is it still working that's that can be challenging change is always difficult mm-hmm. in a church as soon as you change something there's some who like the change some who don't like the change and so it's actually easier as a church to n- never really change anything <laughs> yeah so i think churches just need to really keep seeking to ask the tougher questions of what they're doing how they're doing it uh, what god is saying where god is leading what's happening in their local community and what that all means for their mission their practice in doing that i think churches need to avoid looking for simple answers mm-hmm. to those questions because sometimes the simple answer is you you find some program from a mega church that that is clearly grown and been hugely yeah. successful probably in america probably yeah absolutely in america in the bible belt <laughs> and you think well here it is it's cut and paste they've done mm. it all we've just got to adopt their mission statement and for them, yeah. it worked for them you know i think where churches have done that that hasn't generally provided a long-term fruitfulness that's mm-hmm. come out of that i think a church has got to do that within its own context within its own situation relevant to its size but uh, the worst thing I think a church can do is it just gets so stuck in doing the same old, same old, not wanting to ever change anything because that could cause some upset. And then it looks back and goes, well, we, we became quite irrelevant 20 mm-hmm. years ago. We're still doing exactly what we were doing 20 years ago. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I think be creative, take risks. Church is an adventure. See it that way. Leadership should be an adventure. That would be my encouragement to our church. That's fantastic. Just one final thing. I think we've talked a lot about church today, mm, and I love that because I think that's like Maybe that's how. No, no, <laughs> never. <laughs> but like in terms of talked about the church, and I mean that's how. I think that's how the Bible talks. Like it talks about us in the plural. Like mm. we are a community mm. of people. But I guess thinking to people listening to this podcast, they're probably listening as individuals mm. and thinking, well, what does that mean for me? What's my place in the church? Maybe they're a leader in their church. Maybe they're not. Any final thoughts for people and what it means to kind of see themselves in this as part of the church and how this might land for them? Yeah, that's a good question. And you're absolutely right. There's been a lot of church focus. My role is church development. Yep, so I've kind of yep. spoken <laughs> down that that track. But yeah, I, I guess the what I want to say to the individuals who are listening in terms of personal journey personal faith is it's not all about the church as this organization as this thing and and if anything perhaps i've emphasized that too much in our conversation because it's sort of my role and and where we've gone but you know the journey of faith that each person takes needs to be authentic Mm -hmm. and real it's not about going to a church Uh, it's not about being involved in an organization it's 
something that needs to be uh, sustained and you know it's kind of like the tree it needs to be Mm. watered it needs to be fed it needs to have sunlight and the great desire for each person is that we are personally growing uh, growing as a follower of Jesus and that is something that takes nurturing Mm -hmm. that takes attention that takes work and the challenge in our daily lives for so many of us in our culture today is our world is busy Mm. and our world is noisy for me there's been a a whole journey in that space which I, I haven't gone into around discovering practices prioritizing things establishing patterns that enable me to be healthy as a Christian Mm -hmm. and as a Christian leader and I've kind of in the journey not always done them really well but I'm doing things more now that I've learnt from some of the great traditions of Christianity and earlier this year a chance for a what was a three or four day silent prayer retreat yeah now not everyone's ever can just jump and go away for three days and and pray and and things like that but even as a daily Mm. daily thing what are our daily practices because Facebook grabs our attention, social media, TV, radio, we can just fill our lives with noise. And some of the most very basic things are really, really special, like being in creation, (laughs) going for a walk, (laughs) just doing something a bit, silence, solitude, these kind of very basic, simple and historical practices that have been part of the practice of Christians for um, millennia still so relevant and maybe more relevant now than they've ever been Mm. yeah that's so good thank you and I don't think you've talked too much about the church um because I think you know in the end the church isn't some organization that sits over there we are the church and so each individual you know is part of the church and so it's it's that like you're saying you know flourishing in our own spiritual life and finding the ways to connect with God and then seeing ourselves as part of this community that we get to be you know the the part of the community that has the gospel to share with the world. Thanks so much, Mark. It's been great to chat today. Absolute pleasure. It's been good. Thanks for listening to Movement today. If you enjoyed this show, then please take a second to give us five stars, tap subscribe and tell a friend. We are available wherever you get your pods. Season two of Movement is hosted and produced by the team at Baptist Churches of SA. We'll be back next week with a sermon from today's guest.